This podcast is brought to you by The Province. This is Seen and Heard with Province music writer Stuart Durden. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Seen and Heard podcast with me, Stuart Dardane, talking today to experimental bass player and composer, and I think conceptual artist in some ways as I read through your bio, Wendy Atkinson. Hello, Wendy, and welcome. Hey, Stuart. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. It's, I have to go right from your bio with the thing. It's like, girls can't play double bass. Your hands are too small. I'm sitting here looking at your hands, and frankly, they're, uh, yeah, no, I think you look like you could wrap around a bass pretty easy. Well, and that was a, my experience in junior high. We had to pick an instrument, and I just loved double bass, and I thought, that's what I want to play. And it was a female music teacher who said, girls can't play double bass. Your hands are too small. That was her excuse. And so I picked up the cello um, as the closest thing, and I played it for a year, and it didn't stick. And Eventually, years later, I rolled around back to the electric bass with some friends, and I don't know why. I don't know why it was bass. I can't give any logical reason, but that is what I was drawn to at that age and later on. Now, on your third album that we're going to be playing some tracks and featuring uh, The Last Fret, um, you're playing both double bass and electric mm-hmm. bass. There's, there, we've got the full spectrum, and I, and I take it some signal processing going along in there as well, or do you treat the bass more than, than, than electronically treat it, if you will? Well, you know, I went, when I first started recording, I recorded on a four track. And so there's not a lot you can do. Like it's the signal going in. And so sure, I'm using pedals and different signals. Um, but then it's on the, the tape and there's not a lot I could do at that point. So I've gotten used to, it's the signal going in mostly. So I did my first two albums on a four track. Um, and then I moved over to a computer, this last one, and it was uh, somewhat painful and slow process. Um, but I found, oh yeah, there's all these things you can do after the fact. And so sure, I did some um, mucking around with it, but I did find, you know, I have an idea when I'm doing the song, even though a lot of it's improvised. So it's the sound going in that I'm most concerned with it. And I don't I muck around with it after, but it's right. That, well, less I, and I think people are probably curious to know what does an album of basically solo bass sound like. So, <laughs> w- without further ado, let's do the opening track from okay. the last fret, and and this is uh, what came before.
A lot more ambient and a lot more uh, sort of soundscape-ish than mm-hmm. I might have expected. Uh, you know, I'm thinking uh, there aren't that many solo bass albums that I can just call up. Of, you know, it's like Bill Laswell did one that's truly brilliant. You know, there's a few others, but it, but they're few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, and even solo bass performances, in fact, are few and far between. So it's, yeah, and, and for that song, what I was thinking of, um, what was sort of inspired it, is listening to uh, male choirs. So especially coming from, if you listen to like Russian Orthodox uh, choirs, the chants and the drones. Everyday top ten. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was that, just the low tones and how they intertwine, and especially in some of the music, they have like a, a bass voice that's, lower than the regular bass voice and it's almost it's almost like you can feel it more than you can hear it and i was just thinking i love the way those low tones intermingle and that became sort of uh, what inspired that piece and it's not a traditional bass piece it's not rhythmic and i like that it was like okay i'm taking the bass and forget about rhythm you know what else can you do with it and it was like this just all these tones intertwining and and what happens when you just take the rhythm out of it. That's true. There is, an, and I'm thinking of like Georgian uh, polyphonic choirs and stuff. Exactly, and they do. Yeah. It's almost like a drone note. You know, you've yeah. got a couple of super basses in the side that are just rumbling everything underneath. Yeah. Isn't that one of the exciting things about the bass as an instrument, though? I mean, I, I saw a, a duo. It was uh, Tommy Babin, local bass player, mm-hmm. jazz player, and uh, um, Colin Cowan, I think, the guy who mm-hmm. runs the China Cloud, and they were doing mm-hmm. two stand-up basses, just spontaneous improvisation. And, nice. and, and in the midst of it, you realize, listening to it, it's like, this can be like the meanest sounding industrial scronk, or it can be like this beautiful, full, resonant tone that makes you feel good all over. Or it can be some, you know, driving rhythmic thing. But it's it's like, and just the instrument and its design alone, you know. And, and I know that there was something you've, you've treated it with, like what what was paper clips and yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and tried the Johnny Cashling of you know putting a piece of paper in between the strings to yeah. get that chicka chicka yeah. all that. Stuff. So what, what are you striving for when you when you when you when you think when you compose? Like you said, you had a choir idea, but you know. There's also some there are going to be techniques that come into mm-hmm. this. So do you sit down and go, hmm, well, you know, I'm really like right now I'm digging on this Black Flag song. So I think what I'm going to do is write a classical piece influenced by that. But what it really needs is some straws shoved in between the strings because I'm looking for something. Oh. I, I mean, how do you do that? Well, you know, songs come up in different ways. And partly what I feel like is I have one foot in the experimental world and one foot in the pop world. And I'm and I combine them in, in these different ways. And, and I feel like that's... Um, trying to make experimental music accessible so sure you can do a whole pile of sounds and it can be quite abrasive and some of my music some people might think is abrasive but I also want to find that middle ground um, one of the songs that I the song that I use the paper clips and they're actually these big bull clips on it and um, where that came from is I was doing a festival and in the promo for the festival they said I pre- played prepared bass and I don't so I thought, oh, I got to I got to write a prepared bass piece to play on this show. And so that came together really fast. And I was trying to think of things. What can you stick on a bass? Like unlike a piano, you can't just bounce things on it. It's like, what can I stick on it that will stay while you're playing? And actually at the show I did last month, um, I was playing that song. And one of the clips went flying off into the audience. So, you know, it's always a bit tricky. You sort of clip bass. them. Like <laughs> Unprepared, really. And you just sort of go, whoops, you know, <clears throat> there it goes. Um but that was it. It was a response to, oh, you do this, and I'm like, okay, well, now I do, and I'll write a song. Now, when you say you're straddling both the experimental and the pop worlds, I mean, you, you play a lot with uh, or have played with uh, Jandek, who's sort of you mm-hmm. know one of these, yeah, you know, that was an experience. Ill- illustrious cult <laughs> artist that uh, you know keeps going and going and going, and you know, if you can find the albums, are quite interesting sometimes. But yeah, uh, that actually, the next song that we're going to play is uh, related to that. Um, 
I guess I can explain where it came from sure. beforehand. The um, what happened was I was uh, I connected with this guy. It's such a long, bizarre story about how the show came about. But um, when I knew I was going to be playing with him, I'm also I don't really I do some improv but not a lot and to play with someone I've never played with before and just improvise with them I had never done that live and I was like okay I got to prepare for this somehow and so I did two things to prepare one was I watched videos there's a few YouTube videos on him not a lot because he doesn't play a lot Um, so I played along to them as if you know I was playing with him and um, I also played with um, Gene Smith from Mechanormal and we just went and mucked around and made a bunch of noise and just trying it out. So she pretended she was Jandek and, you know, we played along. But um, playing along to the to the YouTube videos, I came up with um, a riff and some sounds that I actually liked that became the basis for the song we're going to play next. But this song is totally not like Jandek. Like, it's completely different sound, and it's I would say it's more towards, in my view of pop music, more towards the pop. Uh, realm than than some of my other songs, but it actually came from preparing for that right. that show. And uh, and we're gonna play now. Play along.
So this is your idea of pop music. I'm guessing you and Katy Perry won't be collaborating anytime soon. That's right. It's interesting, you know, what I consider pop music because in uh, going, doing uh, experimental, experimental bass music and when I feel like I'm adding those pop elements, I feel like I'm going really far and then you listen to pop music and you go, no, not at all. Um, Luke Meat, who was the music director at CITR, told me this story that once he was playing one of my songs and one of their interns came in and said, do you actually like that? And you realize, and then you're just, you're a little farther out there than maybe you realize. It happens. But where, where, where do you gig? I mean, I, you know, looking at the, looking at the, we should note this uh, Wendy Atkinson bass player dot wordpress dot com <laughs> seems to be a good place to follow uh, what you're doing. And that's Atkinson with an A-T-K-I-N-S-O-N. Um, yeah. That, uh, you know, I saw that there's some Western Front things. There's been mm-hmm. some uh, what look like kind of almost performance art installation pieces mm-hmm. with poets and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's what sort of a milieu is, uh, is the, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I, I don't play a lot, and that's one of the reasons. It has to be sort of the right fit. Um, I've done, there's a festival that happens annually at the Fire Hall, uh, the BC Buds Festival, mm-hmm. which is kind of a fun one to do because there's sort of people experimenting with theater and music and different things, and you just walk through the building. I love and that festival. You could be anywhere in the building. I've played all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been lucky enough to play a few times, and... Um, and again, there was a woman who came up to me after a show, and she goes, now I understand some of the stuff you're doing. Because I like to kind of explain what inspires me and why I choose certain sounds. And that was a great compliment, because I thought, okay, I've reached somebody who would not normally normally listen to or maybe appreciate uh, experimental music. But somehow you've uh, connected with them, and I really like that. So things like that. I mean, I just uh, in June did a couple of shows in Washington. I was down in Seattle and did a show with uh, Bill Horst. Mm-hmm. And he does um, experimental guitar, like it's on his lap, and he's got all these electronics and stuff. And it was fabulous. You're looking at it going, I don't know how he's making that sound, but it's amazing. And then the Experimental Music Fest in um, Olympia, Washington. Right. So I played down there. So it's, you know... Um, you play festivals or different sort of art installations and different mm-hmm. things like that. But it's not like I'm um, a performer who's going to play every weekend. Right. Yeah. But, do, but, I mean, do you get a lot of um, people approaching you like, you know, I want to collaborate on like a spoken word piece to go with, the, you know, like to, to create music to go with that. And we're going to do it in like, you know, hanging upside down in the corner of, <laughs> of, you know, a place on Granville Island or something like that. I mean, I know how grants come along with these yeah. sorts of things. So that's not outside the realm of reality to suggest. But. Yeah, occasionally. I mean, often things don't come through. People will say, oh, I want to collaborate, and, you know, it just doesn't pan out. Um, Also, I don't know, I really like playing solo. Mm -hmm. And um, it just gives me total freedom to do whatever I want. And and there's downsides, but I've played in bands, and when I first started playing music, I was playing in singer-songwriter bands and doing sort of typical bass stuff in the background. And for me, it was just such freedom to go, I can just do whatever I want. And and it's scary, too. You're, You're going... Well, okay, now I don't know what that is, but um, to just experiment and muck around and create a whole bunch of crap, and then something right. good often comes but no out. No more one that. five four, and that was a good. That thing. was <laughs> that's where I draw the line. <laughs> so you've also got an album out, uh, Horde of Two. Um, that's you yeah. and uh, Mike Normal's David Lester, who's yeah. hiding in the background here, but here quite quietly. <laughs> yeah, we're um, working on a new one. Okay, because uh, that came out a little while ago, so we've got a ton of. Rec- material recorded and i just wanted to get my album out the last fret before working on the next tour of two album but that's the next project up is to um get that album sort of mixed and mastered and do that so So when's your next gig what's what's on the planning oh 
Well, you know, it's funny. My brain only works on either recording or gigs. Right. And I, you know, somehow I just can't do both. And so I really am excited about getting started on the Horde of Two album. That's really the one I'm I'm wanting to, to get started on. I have to upgrade a bunch of equipment, which is really boring. But no, once no, I do that, fun. I'll do it. Um, well, thanks again for coming in and chatting about what You're I think welcome. is a really cool and interesting record. The Last Fret from uh, Wendy Atkinson and... 15 tracks of all kinds of interesting ideas pursued on the bass. And, and um, as someone who played bass badly in a couple of <laughs> punk rock bands back in the day, I can just find it's nice to hear someone who, uh, who doesn't, um, okay. you know, who can play it well and do interesting things with it. So thanks again. Thank you. And this week on our Listening In feature, Top New Sounds, and I'm spinning around, we've got a whole bunch of interesting music, and we're going to kick it off with Idget Boys. Uh, and the song Kenny Dub Headband, which is taken from their album Versions, which just came out on Small Town Supersound.
Yep, that was London dance music producers Conrad McDonald and Dan Tyler. These guys have been around in the UK electronic scene and dance disco scene for like well over two decades. And the group's latest is more of a avant dub platter that is pretty addictive. This like really nice subtle background music and less club, more post club, if you will. Next up, we've got Concealer with the song Your Master's Wishes, which is taken from their album Fetid or Fated Fetid on Coax Records. Um, this Edmonton electropop duo, its debut is out on Coax Records, which is Ray Spoon's new label. Um, and it looks ready that they're, they're, they're here to take their place under the gray skies and barren snowscapes that inform so much Canadian electronic music. So uh, songwriter Mark Davis is one half of the group. He was Polaris Prize longlisted a few years back and mismannered is the other half. So here's Concealer with your master's wishes.
strap on latex lederhosen and get busy. Yep, concealer. I think that's the album's going to take off, actually. Next up, it's a few years ago, there was a beautiful album called Chamber Music that came from uh, Malian Cora expert Balake Susuko and uh, French cellist Vincent Segal. Well, they're back. They've got a new one called Musique de Nuit on uh, no format, Six Degrees Records in North America. And this is uh, Balazando taken from this album.
That was recorded live on a rooftop in Bamako. The whole album is like, it is night music, just recorded live with all the incidental sounds around and everything else. It's a stunning record. Uh, this is a beautiful gem of an album, and I recommend highly to anybody that wants to check it out. And we're going to round up, uh, finish things off with a Montreal um, indie pop band, Seoul, uh, like the city in Korea, not the super cool James Brown type. And uh, which is not to say the Korean city is not super cool too, because I hear it is. But uh, anyway, yeah, this Montreal Electric, uh, this Montreal indie pop band, um, it falls right into the Passion Pit cut copy kind of a vibe. Uh, their album, um, I Became a Shade, is out on Last Gang Records. And we're going to hear the song Real June.
Once again, that was Soul from Montreal. And once again, this has been Seen and Heard with Stuart Dardane. For your complete list of province podcasts, go to theprovincepodcast.com, and I will catch you next week. You've been listening to Seen and Heard with province music writer Stuart Dardane. Catch Stuart in the province newspaper or online at theprovince.com. Thank you.